Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nano Community Tech. Today, we have a special segment, Tech Talk with Mates. And in this segment, we have the pleasure of having Joe Drayson uh, from the University of Maryland join us. Welcome to the show, Joe. Great to be here. Now, Joe, you're a senior managing director in the University of Maryland, uh, but you wear lots of other hats. So maybe tell us a little bit more about what you do in the university. Certainly. And before we start, I want to state that I'm strictly expressing my own views and they don't necessarily reflect those of my university. I have a somewhat unique role. Um, in the simplest, I, I run essentially a, a mid-sized consulting firm within a, a university for those not familiar, very large university in the United States, major research university. Um, so that's a big part of my job, and it's very similar to my background where I worked in a lot of consulting firms. Um, but at the same time, I also am a member of the faculty. I teach undergraduate and graduate classes, and so I have a role to play play both on the kind of education side as well as the practice and consulting side. So that is, that is my life. Quite a uh, wide a variety of roles. Now, Joe, you're a big fan of technology. We've had many conversations about this. We've known each other for a little while now. So I know that you're a, uh, you're an enthusiast. Um, look, some of the things that I wanted to, I was hoping to discuss with you include how you use technology or how you have been using technology this whole time. Given the pandemic, things have changed a lot. Uh, technology has become front and center. How has that changed? Um, your perspective and your use of technology. And of course, this wouldn't be a good technology show if we didn't talk a little bit more about what the future holds. But let's start with uh, how things were in the past. So how do you think uh, the evolution of technology or at least your use of technology has uh, evolved over time? So... It, it's really dra drastic and it's interesting because literally this week I kind of had an epiphany and a realization that I may be on kind of the other side of the technology curve, um, that I'm, I'm starting to become one of the, uh, the, the Luddites. Because um, when I was young, and this, so we're talking, you know, younger, um, you know, late 90s, mid 90s, when technology was really ramping up, you know, that's when I got started. And, you know, I was using a modem to dial into bulletin board systems. And I was just fascinated by, it. like, at the time, the idea that I, in, in, in America, I grew up in Indiana, could talk, I was talking to people all over the world and getting, hearing about things. You know, certainly we had the newspaper, but, like, it's hard to imagine and think back to that time when you didn't have instant information of everything you wanted. Um, and so that was kind of my, that got me really excited about technology because I could see it could do things that, you know, certainly my parents and even, you know, my older siblings didn't quite get yet. Like mm -hmm. that this is starting something new. I was actually at one of the first companies that started to produce what we now know as the internet. Um, but, you know, kind of one of those first uh, pops in the internet point of presence. And, um, I kind of saw that moment where I'm, where I could see as like, oh my, all these you know modems we used to have to call our local our local organization. Now everyone's going to be in one space, and that that and that's again, I got really into it. Um, you know, kind of shifting from using a modem to now being you know online. But you know, back then I was an early adopter of a ton of technologies. If you remember back when 
PDAs, which I don't, no one even uses a PDA anymore. But like I was one of the first people who I had a Windows CE machine. And before that I had a Palm Pilot. And before that I had, I mean, I had so many of those. And it's like with, and I, I've, I've thought about so many examples where I did something early on and it wasn't very useful. Like the Palm Pilot was okay. But like you remember most of those things, they, they, it was like cool technology, but you couldn't really do much with it. And then a decade, five years later, a decade later, someone comes out with the good version of it. Okay, now we can integrate it into our, our lives. Like, and so, you know, you have smartphones, which it's hard to imagine. You know, when we talk about the future, I have all sorts of thoughts about that when I see my children and how they use technology very differently than I. Um, but another one that just hit me recently, you know, I recently got a VR device and I probably was exposed to VR 10, 15 years ago. And it was cool. Like there was neat things. It was, I mean, it was cutting edge at the time, but there wasn't much you could really do with it. It was kind of like, it was a novelty. Well, now I got this device, which is probably cost literally 10% of what that device did 10 years ago. And suddenly like, I see just really cool things you can do in it. It's not just about playing games, which is, of course, in a new way, which is neat. But, like, you become immersed in new experiences. Uh, we were watching um, New Year's Eve. We were watching the ball drop in, in Times Square. And that's, like, one thing I've always wanted to do, kind of, is go to Times Square for New Year's Eve. Except, as I'm sure you know, it's actually a complete nightmare and a disaster to go there. You're caught in a cage. I, I don't know if you've been, but... I, I have not. I have not. But I've been. I've been wanting to, and I was very close, but I didn't. I didn't go. But but that's but you, and it's probably for the same reasons that you're about to outline. Yeah, you're caught in a cage for like ten hours. You can't go to the restroom. But but what's awesome about it and so different than watching on TV is you're in that experience. It surrounds you. And I was like, there is no reason they couldn't set up a 3D camera and put a VR experience in there where you just put on your helmet. And in real time, you're there. And they've started doing this with sporting events. And I think that's one of those, one of those things about watching, whether it's watching movies or sports or cultural events, um, you know, spiritual events. It's not just about seeing it. It's about feeling like you are part of the community there. And things like this, I think, are really taking it from the individual experience to the community experience. And I think that's really one of those things about technology we've seen with the rise in social media is, is the transition from I'm using technology to we're using technology. I think one of the things that really struck uh, a chord with me was that all older modem sounds that you'd make each time <laughs> you want to get on the internet. And that continues to be uh, popular today, but mostly as a joke. Um, I, I think if I, if I were to tra translate the, the excitement of uh, what we feel today in, uh, say, a virtual reality environment, back to back to the days in the '90s, where, where I'm not sure if you felt this, but I remember the time when I would be so excited when an email popped up, or uh, particularly, um, uh, you, you know, on top of the world when when I see uh, someone responding to a chat, you know those. Yeah. what you were saying before chatting with all kinds of people and all over the world and that was it was all text-based and there was no video at that time uh but but it was exciting it was exciting it was immersive and i remember 
I was in um, uh, in school at that time, and we had access to the computer labs, and you you were they had to install timers so people would get off the computers and let other people on them because they would be on them for hours, just chatting and, and just yeah. doing very text-based stuff, which today it would be very difficult to get people engaged in that sort of stuff just because the uh, evolution of technology has come a long way. But but I think, I think in a lot of ways that actually prepared us for a future where the interconnectivity became so seamless in our lives that the obvious next step was to go into VR and we wouldn't be totally weirded out by it because we, we would have had that evolution along the way. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And I think that's happened so many times. I mean, I think you and I are, are young enough still to remember a time when getting or old enough when <laughs> getting a piece of mail in the mail, like the physical mail, like that was exciting, yes. getting a letter. Yes. Now yeah. it's all just junk mail. And there was a time that getting a phone call in your house was exciting. <laughs> yes, true. You know, my parents still can't ignore the phone because it used to be that a phone call was important. No one would just spam call you, except that's no. all it is now. Yes, And so I think so there's true. a lot of these things that we've gotten to experience where something is new and novel, exciting, and then it quickly becomes mundane. And I think our ability to always still find that excitement in something new. And I don't think VR is there yet. They still have a lot of technology issues to to get, but I have no doubt it'll it'll happen. Like it's I've now seen it go over that hill. Yeah. Where it's it it's like, okay, I see where this is going. The first time I saw the internet and I was like, okay, this is interesting. You could go like it was all Star Trek and Simpsons websites basically. Yes. I was like, it's neat, but I don't see where this is going. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I was like, I think it's when I started working in e-commerce. I was like, okay, I see where this is going. I see how you can make a business around this. And I think that happens with a lot of these technologies. I mentioned, you know, the PDAs at the beginning. It was like the technology was there, but we hadn't figured out what to do with it. And it sometimes takes a couple iterations. And I think that's why it's fun, you know, you and I both being enthusiasts around technology, we kind of get to see a lot of these things before they really have a use when it's just not, it's kind of this novel hobby. Oh yeah. And, and then getting to see, oh, this is where it's going. Yeah. I, cool. I can I and definitely share my experiences with the uh with the smart wearables and and that first generation of those and and how they didn't make sense at all. In fact actually uh, I'll go even further back. The first iPad that was introduced and I got it on, I think the third or the fourth day after it was released here in Australia. Um, and really it had no real purpose apart from being just a bigger display device, uh, you know, to the iPhone, which I had at that time as well. And th it was a lot of money to spend. And this is what happens with a lot of, uh, I guess, people who are uh, early adopters of this sort of stuff. We, we just end up spending a lot of money and then, learning new ways to use our device um and i think that's the that's been the evolution and then as soon as it becomes mainstream then then yes a lot of a lot more people come on board and so on and so forth a lot more applications and certainly the devices get a lot more sophisticated too but but i think even in the early days trying to find new ways to use so changing my uh, way of living uh, engaging with the device 
actually made um, was something that I actively undertook. So when people were saying, "Oh, it's just a bigger iPhone," well, I didn't see it that way, and and I and I looked at it differently, and I and I tried to um, you know, see the benefits of it. I think one of the differences also is for most people, there's a use case they're looking for, and I think that's with the iPhone smartphones and the kind of the advent of the PDAs, there wasn't a clear use case. I remember the first, it was early in, this may have been the first generation iPhone, they had an app that you, you could hold up and it could listen to music and would tell you what song was being played. I don't know if you remember that. But like, that's when like all of society was like, oh wow, that is something I can I could never do with any other thing. That's a use case that's gonna drive me towards that piece of technology. But I think a lot of people who are early adopters, they're not looking for that use case. They want to be before that use case was figured out for the masses. They want to be part of that experience of, I don't know exactly how this is going to be used, but I can see this is going somewhere important. And maybe I can actually be part of figuring out where it's going. Maybe I'll be the one that kind of figures out that cool use case. But it's 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 kind of like that beforehand, that, you know, that design phase, so to speak, where which I think a lot of people find very interesting and, and it's almost fun being part of something before people have figured out even what it is. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I would say it's not everyone's cup of tea, but uh, for those who enjoy that journey, uh, yeah. it certainly isn't without its bumps. Because uh, first of all, the first first thing is always the amount of money spent on the device, which is going to be a lot more than uh, what other people are willing to spend at that point. And then, of course, just the applications and the... Um, and and the uses and and being being comfortable with i guess if i can use a, i can't think of a better term but comfortable with bugs and and an imperfect device or an imperfect experience because they they have not yet smoothened things out they have not yet come up with Shazam or something alike uh, like that because even for that to occur you couldn't do something like that with the first generation of iPhone because it didn't even have 3G being part of the journey, as you said, I think makes perfect sense. Being part of that evolution and finding new ways to do it. And I think what you just said there is, you know, I talked about how my kind of my experience with technology has changed. As I've gotten older and maybe less patient, being on the cutting edge is less what I am and probably some of it's also the, the cost. Um, but I'm much more selective of the things I'm on the edge with because of the cost and just my lack of time and patience. It was a lot different, you know, before I had kids or, you know, before my work was as busy as it is now. Um, I was much more patient and willing to put up with difficulty. Now I am, and I think I mentioned, I was like, I feel like I'm on the other side of that hill because now I'm the one that like, can you just make this thing work? You know? <laughs> yes. I, I'm now, you know, I asked my son to figure out how to make something work. I'm starting to become that. And even, you know, thinking about now in the future, you know, with telework, I'm having this discussion with, you know, my my leadership team and, you know, the executives I work with. And realize, I've always been a big proponent of remote work and I've always done it. Um, but also realizing now that I am still more tied to the office and that physical interaction than a lot of my peers and a lot of my staff. And again, realizing the problem is not them, it's me. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who isn't transitioning to the new world. 
as quick as they are. And what do you think is holding you back? I th- I don't know. I think it's a good question. I think some of it is over life. You build up kind of your model of how life works. And at a certain point, you've got enough of those experiences that's hard for you to shift into a new experience of, yeah, of course, you come to the office because that's where you do work. And yeah, you work remotely a lot. We've all traveled and worked remote. I've had teams across the world. Um, but there still was always this office that was kind of the thing. I always really enjoyed interact person one-on-one interactions. You know, you and I both have jobs that you spend a lot of time building relationships. Um, and I think just, you know, maybe getting older, I've started to build up enough of a mental model of that's how the world works that now I'm having to shift and realize I'm stagnant in that area. I need to embrace the change that's happening. Um, which is interesting because I was always on the forefront of pushing for remote work. And now I'm realizing like it's speeding ahead and I see where it's going. And I real again, it's like the realization of, wow, I'm the one who's, who's now kind of on the other side of the hill. (laughs) And and it is an interesting place to be because, uh, that's just going to keep happening. Right. It's just, it's never going to stop the, uh, I guess the next group will come on board and, and, and they'll have their own set of challenges and so on. Yeah. I, I think you and I are, are in this interesting phase. I think the people who are maybe 20 years older than us can't imagine it. And the people 20 years younger than us can't imagine it any other way. And we're kind of that transition where we kind of have one foot in each, in each, in each part. If I go back to what you said uh, about remote work and what my views are on remote work, I think it's it's really interesting because I didn't get a lot of remote. I, di- I didn't get a lot of opportunities to have remote work because my job required me to be at a client site. A lot of clients that I work with prefer that they they, they can see me, that they they can they can have workshops, interaction, and um, you know commu- conversations with me directly. But now every, everyone's uh, remote working and, and everyone, whether they, they like it or not, have had to adapt uh, to the new way of working and to communicate differently, build rapport differently. It's, uh, it's, a, lot more, it's a lot more seamless now. I mean, f- f- I, I think that it has evolved to a point where it seems like most meetings are now default online and only by exception are they in person. I mean, this, is, this was this was n- n- not the case. I mean, not even three years ago. I, I would, you know, if there was an interstate meeting, we would fly. Um, if there was if there was a meeting with anyone, we'd just do it in the office or go for a coffee. But yeah. now I have to go. Are we? Uh, yeah, can we meet in person? Like I have to make, uh, you know, I have to make it clear. You're, you're spot on. I mean, I'll tell you, people don't go across campus. Like, what, you want me to walk 20 minutes? Why would I do that? Because that also means I got to leave that meeting early to make the next meeting, or I can just click from meeting to meeting. So you're, you know, there's certain meetings I still prefer to have in person with certain people, um, but it's the minority. I, I mean, I could probably go look through my calendar and see how many what percentage of my hours of meetings are in person versus yeah. online, but I bet it's 80% are online. Yeah, and, and does that mean that now, uh, given the technology that we have available, 
we are way more comfortable. We're way more immersed. I mean, you talked about VR before, which, you know, we know Meta or Meta, the Metaverse is really making a big uh, a push in this space, big play in, in getting, mm-hmm. and, and this is everybody, Microsoft is in it, um, Meta, of course, is in it, and a few others. You mentioned virtual reality a little bit earlier, and 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 I guess the big play that uh, large organizations are making into this this metaverse environment where making it seem as though you're meeting physically. So I feel like uh, th- this was inevitable, given the evolution of how technology was uh, was, and it's not something that I feel is the first time we had tried. We we had Second Life uh, and a few mm-hmm. other um, solutions to something like this in the past. In fact. Um, the, the colleagues of mine have done training in Second Life where they learn a process, learn to execute yeah. a process within Second Life. And, and they have avatars and, all, and, and a whole currency and a whole uh, environment. So it's not, it's not new at all. However, it is never, like you said before, early in our conversation, never really been, um, you, you know, not been used by the, by the masses to... to yeah engage in any kind of commercial activity uh it was always uh, you know this small group of people small and enth- group of enthusiasts so so i think we're we're making our way into that space uh and and i feel like this pan the pandemic and this whole notion of everything's online by default uh, and only in person by exception this is an interesting uh step forward in that direction because i think uh, agree and i because th- i think one of the the key things we're still haven't figured out and we have different ways of saying it but we know there's value in being together like we feel it we feel it when it's not there remote work is effective in many many ways but we do know that there's some you know the research has shown there's something being lost and so i think companies are looking at things like vr and is that able to fill that gap if you were in a meeting but it's not just seeing people on a screen, but when you turn your head, you actually see someone. Will that change that experience? Can we run you know, workshops where we actually can see each other walking around virtually? Would that make a difference? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, these things are, I, I guess we're on the radio so no one can see, but you know, a, a VR device is not, it's not like three or $400 yeah. for something that literally a few years ago is Two thousand dollars or something. I mean, it's I need, at the I price. needed a big computer. Oh yeah, I mean the one I have is completely wireless. Don't even need a computer with it. Yeah, yeah. You just charge it and go. Um, so I think the price point allows, um, you know, allows companies to say, I, I'm not going to invest this kind of money in a product that a, you know, ten thousand people use. I will invest in a product five million people use, mm. and I am gonna, you know. And I've started to see, I think, the Major League Baseball in the U.S., or maybe it was the National Basketball Association, one of them is advertising, like, game, like, watch a live game in VR. And I haven't done it yet, and I'm not really into sports, but I was like, I kind of will do that just because I'm really curious what that experience would be like. And, like, you know, these VR sets are very convincing. Even if they're it not... Is, um, yeah, it's just crazy. Like I've I've tried a few of them. They've tried the Oculus and the Oculus, uh, the Rift. I think it was. Um, yeah, that, w- 
that was the first generation, I think. And and now you've got the Oculus Go, which is the one that you just showed us, isn't it? That's the Quest, and there's the a Quest, Quest sorry, too, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Steam has a really good one, and I think Samsung. I mean, they're all making them. Yeah, yeah, and they're all they're, they're all diving into this space. Yeah, and the quality, like I, I mean, I can see you know areas that could get better, but but it it's good. Like yeah, it. It's. It, I was really surprised by how convincing, you know, some of the experiences were, and it was very different than watching a movie or playing a video game or you know any of the things we I, I've done before. Like, you really have that more visceral reaction, and mm-hmm. that's I, why one of these experiences, like uh, going to a game or being in a crowded museum or something like that, that's kind of a social experience that we associate with. So being at a music concert, what would it be like to put on a helmet and be at a, not just like a recording of a concert, but a live concert with people around you, you look around, you see the people. I mean, at the concert, you know, there's some tripod with a bunch of 3d cameras, but would that be, how would that experience be different than, you know, going to a movie theater and watching a concert on a, on the big screen, which is, yeah, it's a cool experience, but I think it's it would be a lot different. I'm that, I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. Uh, me too, and I think it's a good uh, good thing to speculate because uh, we can. Um, and I think one of the things that 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 really jumps out at me with in this conversation is we are currently looking at or applying the VR technology to our existing use cases, right? So there's mm-hmm. clearly, and, and going back early on to our conversation, there are use cases that we have not thought of yet, which will simply oh, yeah. make VR shine. Because again, it is it is that transition phase where yeah. we're where you where what you said makes a lot of sense, which is you, you're in you're in you're trying to recreate a current physical environment because you because as an individual we prefer to or, or we can we can electronically recreate that that 3D setting with other people, uh, but it's still an existing use case. Uh, I'd be interested to know what what lies ahead, or at least in your thoughts, what lies ahead um, and, and use cases or things that, that we can do with VR and, and the metaverse and all those other things. Um, and one of the things I... I that c- comes to mind, and again, this might be uh, because of uh, Ready Player One. I-, I just think that there's a you-, you could live your life, you could live several lives, and but uh, you might not want to, but uh, but you can, you can, you can. So I, a lot of my thinking is not in that direction, though I, I'm sure that will be part of it. Um, I mean, there's a couple things I've seen being able to do with that that you really can't do any other way. One of them was um, I had an app on it that was a modeling app, like art modeling, like clay modeling. And you really could hold out your hands and shape objects and pull out your palette of any color, pull out your palette of make a square here or a diamond here and then grab it with your hands and mold it. Like that is that cannot happen in any other medium. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a lot of those things that are hard for us to imagine 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think there will be definitely opportunities with travel, with leisure, um, with group experiences, um, with creating you know experiences that either due to cost or due to safety you or I could never do. Mm. You know, go skydiving or or or. or be on a hike in, in Machu Picchu or like, you know, yeah. these or, or Mount Everest or something like that. I think there's, there'll be things like that and, and being able to experience it more realistically. Um, yeah. Like I said, social events. Um, I'm, I've not been always the best at predicting kind of where um, the future is going to go, but um, I'm hoping it's a lot of things like that. I hope it, you know, we were talking about in the beginning, early in the internet, being able to have conversations with people who are in other parts of the world. I mm-hmm. hope it a lot, and I found that very enriching. Learning about other cultures, just talking to people who just see, you know, have a different experience of the world. Um, having this being able to be more of an extension of that, where you get to have even more experiences um, that are outside your geographical boundary. Um, because I think between VR between remote work, between a lot of the technologies we've talked about, the constraints of time and space are largely going away. And, and, I, and that I really creates like, opportunity. I like that thought for many reasons. One, one of which I have family overseas and scattered all across the uh, Australia as well as um, other countries. And this is an opportunity to be with them without being with them in person right and this would mean i mean right now we we do lots of facetime calls and 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 video calls generally so it never seems like we i miss a beat in their lives and i'm still kind of involved in their uh not say day to day but say weekly or monthly or whatever but i'm still in you know so when when we finally meet up it's not like oh we've got so much to catch up on it's it's never like that but now with this sort of technology available, and if everyone, that's an important point as well, if everyone subscribes to it, then we're able to create, you know, get rid of all the boundaries. I think that's the big, big you, step forward. Get rid of geographic boundaries, get rid of space boundaries. And, you, and the, the journey there is less important than the destination. Maybe. I don't know. No, I think that, I think there's a lot to that. Um, you know, we, and we all had that with the holidays due to COVID where, you know, we have dinner with people who are on a screen, but we're constrained to our house or their house in a location. We can't both go to a third location together with things like virtual reality. We could. And I think that's going to create a very different um, experience. I have friends and family all over the place, too. Um, and, you know, something you said about catching up. I remember my first high school reunion I went to. Um, maybe it was probably the second one. It was probably 15 years in or so. Um, this is after Facebook had just started, but it had been around enough that, you know, you kind of knew who had had kids, what people do for a living. Like you knew all the basic stuff. So when you came back to your high school reunion, you didn't talk about any of that. You talked about other things. Yeah. When I, high school reunions used to be about who's had kids, where do you work and blah, 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 blah. But you all, you know that about everyone now. So true. You, you, you don't need to catch up. No, no. So the conversations now have uh, will be different. 
when yeah. you actually do meet. <laughs> so, so here, here's an interesting question. So, does does that mean that the significance of actually meeting someone in real life in physical form does that now not matter anymore because there's an option I, always available to meet them? I think it does, and here's my reason. I don't think it's just because you know I'm an old, I'm becoming an old person. Um, so I see my kids. My kids are 10 and 14. So they're pretty, they're young enough that I get to call them the next, you know, they're a couple generations now. Their use of technology is very different than mine. Their expectations of technology, how they perceive technology information, very different than mine. But they still crave one-on-one experiences with their friends. They do spend time online with their friends, playing video games, FaceTiming, watching movies, you know, when someone has to be quarantined, they can still watch a movie together or when it's too late, they can watch a movie together. But they still get together on the weekend and go on walks and spend that one-on-one time together. So that's why I don't see that going away, at least not anytime soon. So cause I see and people do, of that age still looking for that. So what, why do you think they still crave that? Why do they, why do they make make an effort because i mean given say a little bit more we might be able to go on walks and hikes on vr so it would seem like we're there yeah i think i think it's a, it'd be I, a really I, good question i don't think i've ever posed that question that way to them you know my son hey can you give me a drive i'm going to go out with my friends and they're going to run around the neighborhood for five or six hours why is that so much more appealing than staying up and playing a video game for five or six hours? I think you may have just answered the question because the the whole feeling of actually physically being expending energy and yeah. you know um, right right now we don't we don't have that ability. I mean VR might might sort this out with um, with all kinds oh, yeah. of other devices, but 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 it's really it's different when you're. I mean if I if I were to Later today, I'll be playing tennis with a friend, and I, I'm looking forward to it because that's one of the and it's something that I haven't done in a little while. Now, I could also get on a, a PlayStation game and play tennis, but I'm not doing that. That's not what. That's not. That's not going to excite me as much as um, actually physically going out there. And I think there's there's an element of actually expending my own energy and sweating and the feel of my I, I, own. Um, engagement with the activity and i think there's also a difference in the fidelity of the experience um, oh, yeah. it's 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 not just the visual fidelity the tactical fidelity because eventually technology will figure that stuff out but technology is um programmatic procedural the world is chaotic and so I think there's some of that that's different. I think we are all still at the end of the day, you humans are very social creatures and we do have psychological needs that so far technology has not been able to completely overcome. I mean, we, we've seen it with the pandemic as people have had to socially isolate. We've seen mental health crisis or mental health crisis. Um, you know, I, the, the, the rate of, you know, of, of KFs, I don't know if it's K through 12 or just high schoolers, but the ones having issues with depression, suicidal thoughts and things like that is like doubled in the last mm. couple of years because 
and largely it's been attributed to this um, beyond obviously the anxiety and fear of a horrible pandemic, um, the lack of social interaction, which is something that is so core to us. I mean, what do we do when we want to, when we get, want to get together professionally, we want to go to a conference. Do any of us go to the conferences to listen to those panels? No, we go to the panels because half the time it's our friends are speaking on it. We go because we <laughs> want to see each other. We want to go have dinner together. We want to, you know, talk, We yes, talk about work, but it's in a different way. And and that's really important. When I get, you know, I'm supposed to see some friends tomorrow. I'm not sure we're going to be able to because in the U.S. we're having a bit of a issue right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do we want to do? We want to get to get there for dinner. Could we talk and eat with each other online? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not the same. And yeah. I don't quite know what isn't the same. But there is something. There is there there definitely is something. And it's a it's an immersion of all the senses. Uh, that's what I believe. And also I think there's an intangible side of it, which one might argue if you look after all the senses, would then that intangible in inner self then be convinced enough to say, oh, I'm actually having a very meaningful experience online. If the smell and the feel and the touch and the hear, if it all isn't, I I don't, I mean, at a certain point, I'm not sure what the difference is. I don't know. I think that's... Well, and I think, and I think that's the big question, right? So, and, and, and if I go back to, uh, the whole notion of the, the metaverse, and I think they'll, they'll, the plan is to get to that point where, you're creating a bit of a Westworld uh, situation here where, where y- your so-called living in the metaverse becomes so convincing at some point that you are now able to live in two different places meaningfully. And, and it uh, sounds scary, sounds weird, um, potentially um, may not happen, but uh, it's certainly heading in that direction. And I think that's the that's the whole idea with such immersive technologies. Yeah, I mean, this is something that's been talked about for quite a while, um, but it's always been kind of in the far, far future. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know, I'm still not convinced it'll happen, but I'm not the best prog- prognosticator. Um, as I said, when I look at my kids and... Again, they use technology and perceive it very differently, but I haven't seen it take over. In fact, in a lot of ways, and, and whether I'm talking about my undergraduate students or, or my young children, they actually don't have the same attachment to technology we do. And it's kind of, yeah. it seems counterintuitive because we talk about kids are always on their phone. They're on their phone less than I am. Um, hmm. They, and my college students, they deal with being away from their technology, I think, better than a lot of adults do. Um, And it may be because they've grown up with it. um, They don't have the same novel attachment to it. I 100% agree with you. And and that's what it is. Like, I, I, you know, I have a weakness of wanting the latest and the greatest. It is a very expensive um, hobby. (laughs) not one that I'm proud of. And increasingly I'm finding that um, with the younger generation, they're not quite as um, insistent. They, they, look, don't get me wrong. They, they do, they they have access to technology. They want access to technology. They, they 
but they're not all about the no- the what you said before is actually they're, really they're not. not about the no- it is not a novelty it is it is not like at one point i'm sure um j- a couple of maybe a generation or so ago having electricity in the house for 24 hours a day was a novelty but you and i probably don't even think about electricity we just go about our day and and the the hundreds of things that depend on electricity we just expect it to work so i feel like the the newer the the next generation next few generations are probably going to be like that where the actual physical device or the interact what it is it's the in, it's the interaction that's important as opposed to the medium of it and i think that's that's yes. what's being removed that friction or, or that layer where your mobile device at one point will become a obsolete way of connecting with technology they they'll laugh at us one day that they we used a li- the little <laughs> these little screens in the palm of our hand which at one point was wow remember the days of the pda like whoa you can fit a whole computer in your pocket and they'll go yeah that's laughable in the future cuz technology no, it, there's you. no such thing as technology it's just it's just how we live it's just all around like electricity i i will tell you having my kids there's already plenty of examples where they yeah. i talk about something they're like they can't even comprehend what i'm saying it is <laughs> they have no basis and you made me think you know when we're thinking about the future i think people who are who live in that transition point it's very hard for them to necessarily be a good at figuring out the future because they're still caught in the old world and they mm-hmm. try and see the future you know we you and I work in process so we always talk about one of the challenges when you're when you're the one who administers a process you see the new process through the eyes of the old process and mm-hmm. sometimes it's very hard for you to see something new and novel because your framework is that old way of doing it i think sometimes that happens with technology we can think about how the future uses of these of these kind of bleeding edge technologies will be but we still often see it through the guise of the past Oh, and how can the past be changed and so those truly new and novel ideas you know by their very nature i think are are really hard to predict it'd be it'd be interesting to go back to the last decades and you know see what people were writing about how certain technologies were going mm. to be used and how many of those ever ended up being right yeah um, yeah i mean a lot of futurists obviously uh ponder this stuff way more yeah. than uh, than i ever will but i think one of the things that the that often comes up is it's a lot more interesting when you look back so 100 years ago if you said to general people that you were a web developer um pe- what would the reaction be and and that just goes to show that we we don't really have jobs or roles or uses of technology or experiences that we can think of right now because we we just can't it just isn't yeah isn't in our realm of uh ability at this point and and there's no real way of getting it right unless you go into the future and think back and look back but that's a good thing i think and and that's why speculation in in conversations like these is actually a lot of fun because you just go well yeah there's so many different possibilities and i can see it going in so many directions and in in some ways when i discuss these things i'm also just i'm assessing in my own mind whether i'm ready for that sort of stuff 
whether it does go in that, if it does go in that direction, will, will I subscribe to it? I mean, I, I talk about leading different lives in the, in the metaverse and, and the ability to do that. But, but am I, like, how do I think about that today? I just go that that's actually really creepy or weird or, or different or uh, uninviting at this point, but you know, maybe a hundred years from now, things will yeah. be different. Things will definitely there's be things, different. There's things we do that people, I mean, with social media that, you know, I'm, I don't quite buy into it. I, I'm not on, there's some social media I'm on, but I'm not on others. I still find certain aspects of sharing your personal life very strange, but that is clearly for a large percentage of the population, perfectly normal. Isn't it just, and, and that's just how it is. And, and it's funny you say that because I think uh, it, it's becoming social media specifically, and I'll touch on this point quickly, but it's, it's being positioned continuously as, as a toxic environment um, from a privacy perspective, from a, um confidence level perspective body image whatever you name it it's just a yeah. whole bunch of uh, th- there's a, there's a lot out there uh that certainly puts social media in bad light and i think that it's it's not long now where i think we need the industry will will you know they will they will organically reinvent <laughs> a new way yeah. to connect and they'll and and we'll again we'll we'll look back at facebook instagram even TikTok and just and and laugh. I, I think that. that's. I think a lot of that's already happening with some of the earlier ones. You know. So yeah. A lot of those 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 um, those social media sites are not used by younger people. There, the 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 proposition of what they are is not a, is not of interest, not of value. Yeah, that that's right, and. I, and and then if you bring that into the world of devices where I'm constantly intrigued and drawn to new devices, it's it's not that important anymore because at one point I was con- I was drawn and intrigued by uh, desktop PC parts, and that oh, yeah. is of no I you know you I, this is a very I was very the same small thing group. yeah. You know, I'd go out and buy similar. your hard drive, buy your video card, build the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, do you, how much of that CPU? is... But now if you look back, if you think back to those days, fun they might have been, but you wouldn't You wouldn't spend time. Would you spend time doing that now? I wouldn't. I would only, uh, I would only do it for the experience of doing it. I wouldn't do it because <laughs> it's actually doing anything productive. That's right. It, it, would, it would be that. It would be like... Uh, you know, playing some old vintage vi- video game or going to some, you know, my childhood house. It would be to have that experience of doing That's it, right. not because yeah. it's, it's, it's nostalgia now. Yeah, yes, it's, it's, exactly. it's, it's demoted, almost demoted to nostalgia now. No, no, no functional element there. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. This has been a really good conversation. I feel like um, we should probably have another one when we in, in a few weeks or months from now and and sort of do a part two of this exercise because i feel like this is this has been a really good insight into um some of the past elements that have certainly brought a lot of memories back which is great <laughs> some of the things and i've had uh, a lot of fun actually uh, you know talking to you about how the possibilities of going forward 
with these crazy technologies that are continuously um, appearing and and good to get. And you know, you've got some um, questions to ask your kids about why why they want to actually physically I, go I out will. and meet their friends. Um, and and I think all that information would really be helpful. And I think certainly. I continuously say that the future is exciting uh, and it continues to intrigue and it continues to draw. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I look forward to all the possibilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, definitely a, a, a future conversation, as I, I think I touched on at the very beginning, the way I observe how my children and, and again, my students use and perceive technology is just really different. Because they grew up with it, they don't know a world, so it has. It just has had a different effect on them, and and not better, not worse, but it's it's very different. And I can, it's going to have a lot of impact um, that we don't quite recognize yet. Absolutely. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks. Yes. Oh, thanks for your time. Of course. Good conversation.